everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Thank you, Ray. Uh, man, that step kind of hurt me a little. I'm getting older. The youth remind me of that. Well, thanks for coming to the vineyard today. I was at the lock-in with those uh, teenagers and would love for you to open up your Bibles or maybe if you didn't bring one, grab one from the back. We'll be in the book or the gospel of John today, chapter six. While you do that, I want to tell you a couple jokes. This, uh, these are jokes original to my three-year-old, Isla. She made them up. Um, so the first one goes like this. What do you get when you cross a rooster and a poodle? A cockadoodle. <laughs> Pretty good, right? This one's even a little more personal uh, to her. If you know her, you'll understand. What do you get when you cross a bunny and a poodle? A hopadoodle. She'll come back into that. I, you know, they don't teach you that in seminary to start with a joke, but I thought it would just kind of like warm me up. I'm a little bit tired from being up till two in the morning. And uh, well, that's when the lights went out. That's not when everybody went to bed. But um, we're doing a series here called Revive. We're looking at metaphors or images from the Gospel of John, specifically the first 15 chapters. We've been inviting you to read through the Gospel of John on your own as we go, and there have been texts that go out, if you're signed up for those, to reflect and engage with uh, the Gospel of John. But uh, it it opens up, looking at these metaphors, opens up something inside of us that uh, isn't always natural for those of us who were raised in the West, uh, like Europe and America, uh, thought or thinking ideas where we like things very logical and linear because when Jesus invokes images or metaphors, this, this can't be categorized like you would in a dictionary. There's more emotion, there's more heart, there's more ambiguity, there's more mystery when Jesus says something like, you must be born again. So that's one of the images of life that we've looked at or, or the idea of being filled with the Spirit, or in a few weeks we'll talk about how Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Today we'll be looking or talking about the metaphor of bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And the day before Jesus speaks the words that we will be reading today, he is in a crowd and he's teaching the crowd and the crowd starts to get hungry And the disciples say, we don't have the money to buy all these people bread. There's like thousands of them. And so somebody brings two or how many loaves? Five loaves and two fish. And out of that, Jesus performs a miracle. And you see how all of the people are fed with leftovers. And I always imagine that Jesus multiplied Wegman's rosemary bread. I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it wasn't pumpernickel that he was feeding to the 5,000 gathered men uh, with their families, most likely. Maybe it was garlic knots. What do you think? Probably pita. But anyway, 
Um, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And when he performs this miracle, people are paying attention and they're getting excited. It says in verse 14 of chapter 6, which is just a page to the left of where you opened up, when the people saw him do this miracle, miracle, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. And when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. So why is it that when Jesus multiplies bread that the people say, oh, this is the prophet and we're going to make him our king? Well, it's because back in Deuteronomy 18, Moses predicts that there will be a prophet, the prophet that comes, and it will be like, he will be like Moses, and he will speak the very words of God. So the expectation of the coming, saving king of the people at this time is that he would be like Moses and they would, uh, that he would break the chains of the Roman occupation. And so when they go to John the Baptist, they say, are you the prophet? Not just a prophet, but the prophet, because we are hungry for someone to save us from these Roman oppressors. And so they look at Jesus and they say, oh, just like Moses provided manna, bread, for people in the wilderness, we see Jesus like multiplying loaves. This is kind of like Moses. Maybe he's the prophet. And so they want to make him king, but he disappears. And so they go and they look for him and they find him. And so by the time we get to chapter 6, verse 26, this is the next day, and Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So Jesus says, most of you are spending your time seeking things that perish. And it's not just bread. Most of us are spending much of our energy trying to accumulate experiences or things that will perish. But Jesus says, I have something eternal to offer eternal life. Now, something to understand that is that in the Greek, there are two words for life. The first one is bios. You've heard of this come through in a lot of English words like biology. And the second one is zoe. Any of you heard of this distinction, bios and zoe? Yeah, many of you. So bios is the physical living, the physical like existing, the, the heart beating and the lungs breathing and the moving. And so, for instance, I'd like to show you a picture of our new baby girl, Aviva. Uh, this is just for people in the room, not for the live stream, but this is our 10-week-old. This is bios. This is life. It's fresh, and it's beautiful. You can show the next picture, too, but not the third picture yet. This is my baby girl. On the other end of the spectrum is my knee that is starting to ache. But you know what? It's only going to get worse. <clears throat> Because bios is like trying to hold water in your hands. Have you ever tried to do that? It doesn't matter how tightly you hold on, eventually it will drain away. Bios will perish. And that's something that we all will face someday. Bios is good. Bios 
Life is created by God. God cares for our bios. But the Zoe life, this is what is eternal. And so, like I said, we only have one word for life. And I have a, a three-year-old, like I said. And we go to Cherry Crest quite a bit. And the other day, my three-year-old Isla was laying in a bunch of corn. And she says, this is the life. I think she was there with Jan that day when she said that, who's like a mix between her. Jan is like a grandma aunt for us. Isla calls her granty. But this is the life. Have you ever said that? This is the life. It's because you're, you're grasping at, you're experiencing something like Zoe or Zoe. Zoe life is that life that is infused with meaning and joy, purpose. So it's possible to go on, to live your life without Zoe. And it's even more likely that we've been seeking Zoe in all the wrong places. So for instance, if you guys have seen The Matrix, I hope you've seen The Matrix, uh, there's a scene where Agent Smith is looking out on the city. What? Anyway, I don't know what he said. Agent Smith is looking out on the city and he says, look, billions of people just living out their lives oblivious. They have Zoe, or they, they don't have Zoe, they have Bios, but not Zoe. One of the most, I think, powerful points of the Lord of the Rings, or if you're watching, Rings of Power, is that uh, the story is all about seeking Zoe in the wrong place, seeking it through power, trying to find meaning and purpose through controlling other people. For Sauron, it's the one ring, and it ends up destroying him and others. It's actually, it's a very fresh story, and it's a very appropriate story to be told, because that's not the story that most uh, other films are telling, right? Not many films are telling the story of what happens when you make an idol and pour all of your energy, all of your bios, whatever fleeting moments you have, into something that is not God. And so for some of us, it's money. For some of us, it's stuff. Uh, for some of us, it's power that gets expressed into politics. But there's, there's a life that we were made for. There's a life that can only satisfy us, really give us true Zoe. So Jesus says, don't be so concerned about perishable things, verse 27, like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent or trust. Put your faith in. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness uh, as they journeyed through. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. In other words, Moses was just a spectator. You've been ascribing to Moses what God did. He provided the manna. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of Zoe. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Of course, we're talking again about Zoe life, not bios life. The kind of life, the kind of nourishment that Jesus gives spiritually is the only kind that can satisfy. But you haven't, even, haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father have given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. And then the people began to murmur, just like they did in the wilderness. They would complain about the manna. And now they're complaining about the bread of life. They murmur because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? And he'll go on. So one of the amazing things about Jesus' statement, I am the bread of life, is that it's an entirely fresh and unique way to access God, to find Zoe life in our spirit. And I would say that for many of us, certainly for our world, we are spiritually starving. We are spiritually malnourished because we feed we on things that are perishing rather than the one who is eternal. And humans have tried to answer that question, what is the life or what is the good life, in primarily two ways. And you can make broad categorizations in terms of like the Western world and the Eastern world in terms of what is the good life. The Western thinkers say, well, the good life is to have concepts and ideas or, or to put it a different way, like the really good life is to be a philosopher or perhaps a stoic, where through ideas, through concepts, maybe even through technology, we find happiness. We find Zoe. On the Eastern way of thinking. It's not through ideas or concepts or technology. It's through mysticism. And so it's just, it's, it's an experience. It's I will contemplate. I will empty myself. I will come into this kind of ecstatic experience of the divine. But Jesus offers something different. Jesus offers something unique. Neither simply, here's an idea, run with it, or here's an experience, meditate on it. But here I am, a person that can be known and that can be experienced. Jesus says the bread of life is a person. And that person is me. And one of the cool things about this way is that, well, I've never met a three-year-old that is a philosopher in, a, in the true sense. Uh, the abstract ideas come later. So I've been getting the question a lot from kids like, why are you so tall? 
And I start trying to explain genetics to them, but they don't get it. <laughs> Why are you so tall? Well, you know, we, all, we have like codes inside of our cells that come from our parents. And then they stop listening and start playing. I did this in Vineyard Kids the other day. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the thing about uh, a mystical experience or a philosophical like, paradigm is that kids can't truly engage with that, but kids can have a friend. My 10-week-old knows what it's like to have a relationship with her mom. She might not even, well, I would say certainly she does not have the category yet of, this is my mom. She hears us say it, but she doesn't know what the words mean. But she has a relationship with her mom. And her mom has a relationship with her because it's, it's about a person. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the only one who can truly satisfy your deepest hunger for Zoe, your deepest hunger for purpose and meaning, the only one who can give you real joy, real life, the only one who can satisfy you in a way that says, this is really living. That's what makes Jesus' way so special because it's personal and it's relational. John actually talks about food and what it means to be sustained spiritually in a couple other places in John. The first that we'll go to, if you can put these up, uh, let's actually start with John 6.36. So we didn't read that far, or, or did we? Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. Uh, but you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. That's not the right reference. I don't know what that is. It's, uh, it's later. Maybe it's another... Maybe it's 56 or something. Nope. Well, anyway, I put down the wrong number in my slide. He essentially says, my words are food. <laughs> okay. It's somewhere in John chapter 6. And it's a very, very long chapter, and I can't find it right now, and I should have circled it. One of the reasons we're spiritually starving is because we don't feed on the words of Jesus. Now, you've come today. You, did you know you came today actually because you're spiritually hungry and you're getting some sense of spiritual food? Um, but if all you do is eat once a week, you're probably pretty hungry. And the Zoe life is probably just on life support. I'm not talking about eternal destiny. Like, we believe here in salvation by grace. Like, you don't earn bread. You don't earn the bread of life. It's received. Did you notice that? Typically, you have to buy bread. I had to pay Instacart like $8 for this little loaf of bread. But it did come to my door this morning in the rain in time for me to come here and show it to you. So that's pretty cool. But most, we have to buy bread typically, but here Jesus says the bread is received. It's free. It's not earned. But you can still be spiritually hungry, spiritually starving, spiritually malnourished if you're not feeding on the words of Jesus, on the teaching in the Bible. Another way that we find spiritual nourishment is through, uh, like it's described in John 15, and we'll go deeper into this 
later because this is where Jesus says, I am the vine. He says, abide in me for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. So how do we come to Jesus? How do we stay connected to God in a meaningful way? Well, a lot of times we use the word prayer, but prayer can be misunderstood. So let me, let me maybe draw out a difference. It's one thing to say your prayers. It's another thing to be in the presence of God. And we would call that prayer too. But what Jesus is inviting us into that will actually feed our soul is not saying a bunch of words, but entering into his presence, which might include saying words. But it's also dialogue because God is also wanting to speak to us. But sometimes we don't have words to say. Sometimes to be in relationship with a person is to simply be in their presence. So for instance, my 10-week-old Aviva, I just last night was just walking around the room, wasn't saying anything, just holding her tight. Some of you have rich prayer lives where you don't say anything for a while. You just remind yourself that you're in the presence of God and you enjoy him. And you get this sense that he's close. And this is sustaining. This keeps you from spiritual starvation. And if I can go off, and, and I, I risk oversimplifying here, but there, there is a wave of uh, what some have called a mental health crisis. And so whether it be anxiety or depression, I, I don't want to limit the solution to the habits we have in, relate, like in terms of how we feed ourselves spiritually. But wouldn't you expect that if we are spiritually starving to be highly anxious and highly depressed. Like I believe, I believe in doctors, I believe in medicine, I believe in all those things, but wouldn't you expect that if we looked for Zoe in the latest Netflix show, that we would find ourselves highly anxious and highly depressed? Again, there's chemical things that are real, and I don't mean to diminish those. But if all we did every day was eat junk food, we'd get sick. And if all we do to feed our spirit every day is consume junk food, junky spiritual food, I think we would find ourselves sick. And so this is an invitation to find your spiritual nourishment, to find your Zoe, to find your purpose and your fulfillment and your joy on the words of Jesus in the presence of Jesus. And finally, in John 4, 34, Jesus himself says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of my Father. And so I don't think you just do one of these three. I think you do all of these three. Some of you find real Zoe in serving others and doing ministry with the poor and walking alongside people who are suffering and listening to their stories and seeking to know them truly. And it is often just a giving or a breaking. So you give yourself to a person and your heart breaks because you hear their pain or you hear their story. That's one of the ways to do the will of your father. Now, that doesn't mean you can be everything to all people, okay? Because you're not God, if you didn't know that. You're not God. And you actually can't care 
like deeply about all the things that God cares about because you are finite. You are a human with limits. God's heart is bigger than any one of us, which is why he has millions of people who follow him. <laughs> like, I can't care about all the things all the people in this room care about, and neither can you, but that's one of the beautiful, beautiful? <laughs> that's one of the beautiful things about being part of a body of people with different passions, with different callings, with different things that God is saying, I'm asking you to serve this person in this way. And when you say yes, the Zoe inside lights up. I can't do all the things. I can't be a missionary to Africa and, uh, and bring water to the people in Haiti. And I can't pastor a church in Chester Springs and raise two beautiful girls and, and travel to the Ukraine. And I can't, I can't do all the things, but I can do the specific things that God has called me to do. I can say yes to doing the will of God for me in my life. And it's, it's so personal. Like there's no cookie cutter God's will for each of us. He's made us all in unique and special ways with unique and special callings. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Here's where the metaphor, I think, can get really rich. I don't know if you can smell the bread, but I can. If I wanted to, I could lick the bread. <laughs> but that wouldn't do me any good. It wouldn't actually feed me. It wouldn't actually nourish me. The only way this bread is any good to anybody is if it's broken. If Jesus is only a moral teacher, he doesn't actually do us any good because he's not that inspiring. <laughs> I mean, he can be if his teaching comes in the context of grace and salvation. But if all we do is look at him as a moral teacher, we just fail miserably. He's good to us because he was broken. The only way that this bread can enter my body and give me bios life, give me biological sustenance, is if it's broken and if it's torn in my mouth through chewing and if it goes into my intestine, it gets broken up even more until it becomes a part of me. Jesus is broken for us. That is the message of grace that is the message of his death on the cross. I'm not sure that we're really much good to anybody else unless we're broken too. Like if, if we've never gone through anything hard, if we've never come to the end of ourselves, can we really be any good to anybody? If we've never made Jesus the foundation of our life, can we really be any good to anybody? So have you ever met anyone who just like has never had any problems and, or at least doesn't share that they've had any problems, like they've got it all together and they live like a, like just the, an easy life. Have they been any good to you? It's the people who have been broken, who are willing to show their vulnerability 
and walk beside you in your pain because they've been through a breaking of one kind or another. They're the people who can help bring healing and wholeness. And so that's one of the reasons why we take communion. And I hope if you don't have one of these little cups, there's some on the back table that you can grab quickly a second. Jesus says the only real lasting nourishment comes from feeding on my flesh and drinking my blood. And if this is only a ritual, it doesn't actually do us any good. It's kind of like saying prayers. Like, there's nothing particularly wrong with saying prayers, but it's not going to nourish you. If this is just something you do, if this is just an action, it's not going to spiritually nourish you. It does you good if you come with hands of faith, if it draws you into the presence of God, if it is the reminder of Jesus' body like given for us and Jesus' blood shed for us, if it's a window into the infinite grace of God that is freely given to us. And so it is later on the night that Jesus is betrayed, the night before he is crucified on a cross that he invites his friends together and he takes a piece of bread and he says, this is my body given to you. He gives thanks for it. And you have to believe that Jesus' disciples were thinking, oh, Jesus is the bread of life. And later they realize, and Jesus is broken for our sins. And so take, eat, remember, and believe. And likewise, Jesus takes a cup afterward and he gives thanks for it. He says, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. This is my life given to you. And so take, drink, remember, and believe. going to invite you to stand and I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I would ask that you just get yourself into a posture uh, that somehow put, like, gives your body a receptive mode whether that's having your hands out or your hands folded or your eyes up. We're going to simply invite the Holy Spirit to come. And we're going to turn our hearts toward him. And in the turning, there might be a repentance. There might be a confession of sin that you want to do. Or there might simply be a, a posture of gratitude where you say, thank you, Jesus, for your great love, for your good gifts. 
But whenever we turn to God, I think all of us have accumulated some little idols, some little things that we've thought would give us meaning and purpose. Zoe life. And so we say, God, thank you for the good things, but you are the great thing. You are the one thing. And so come Holy Spirit. We want to know you as a person, not as an idea, not as an experience, but as a friend. We repent. We say we have not actually fed on your words. We have not entered into a prayerful posture. We have not always done your will. But we turn to you now and we receive your love and grace. Come Holy Spirit and speak to us as we sing. Let this be a time where we enter into your presence and we can like just be with you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.